Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I am your couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. And I am your sex therapist, Lori Watson. And we are into another mailbag today, looking at your emails. Thanks so much for sending those. If you do have a question, feel free to send it to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Uh, we never use names, uh, real names that you send us. Um, and a lot of times we combine different emails to, to make the question relevant when there is a, a question around a similar topic. So just know we, we do that as well to protect your identity uh, when we are talking about these things. So feel free to send us anything that is going on with you that you need in your relationship that you need help with. Our first email today, Lori, comes around uh, the topic of being more confident and talking about your sexuality uh, with your partner. Um, yeah, and this... it's from a woman. Shall, shall I read it? Sure. Okay. I just started listening to the podcast and need some help. I'm married, coming up on five years, but together for eight. I love and trust my husband. However, I'm still self-conscious with talking about sex and my wants. I think it has to do with decreased self-confidence, especially due to the negative stigma. stigma. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't read it. Maybe you should read it. Of sex and sexuality when I was growing up. How can I get more connected to my sexuality and be more confident to improve my sexual relationship? So thank you so much for sending this in. And I I think this is a really common issue. I want to note that this is a young woman, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's this fantasy out there that the younger generation isn't struggling as much as maybe middle-aged people. And I, I see that in my practice as so untrue. Yeah, the, the expectation mean, is they should be further along in their yeah, because somehow sexual development. Our, yeah, our culture is so much more open, women have so much more freedom, you know, we know more about sex and millennials are freer and more open about sex, which basically I, I have not really seen this to be true. Yeah. I say young people are struggling just as much as uh, middle-aged people or older people. Yeah, so, so you think part of her self-consciousness might be the fact that she she has an expectation that she should be at a different place with her sexuality than she is currently. Yeah, again, the comparison issue, right? Yeah. You know, everything that they see on Instagram and Facebook and and the media is saturated and makes it look like, you know, particularly I think, you know, sex is easy. You know, to be sexy is to be sexual, which is an entirely different thing. But she's saying, you know, I'm still self-conscious to talk about myself and my needs. And she traces it back particularly to her childhood, 
mm. um, sort of the negative stigma of sex and sexuality. And I think that there are several primary reasons that people struggle to voice their concerns and their needs. I mean, certainly an upbringing, right, where sex is not talked about, that means it's taboo, or you're given a lot of messages that say, you know, sex is somehow or another bad. And, and especially, I think still, honestly, women are taught to be the brakes, right? Mm. They're not the engine when it comes to sex. They're the ones who have to, are still counseled to stop sex mm. and that she's responsible if she had for the consequences of sex. So this kind of a background says, I've never taken the time to get a hold of my needs, my wants, let alone communicate those things. Yeah, and it, and I would wonder too if she has examined what those messages were. Um, mm-hmm. And because oftentimes the messages that we hear that are restrictive in life um, are just the wrong messages or that mm-hmm. they, they're, for lack of a better word, they're just untrue. And so going back and challenging those messages that she heard, understanding them uh, might be helpful in giving her a bit more confidence as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So Stephanie, I think the first thing Adam is saying is maybe write down um, what are those messages? What rolls around in your head? I like to ask people, if you could give a voice to these feelings, mm-hmm. this bad feeling you have about sex, what does the voice tell you? Does it tell you good girls don't talk about sex, good girls don't have needs, or you know, men are somehow or another selfish and don't want to meet your needs? Is it What is the critical voice inside that stops you? And actually say it out loud, write it down. Let's personify it so that then we can argue with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a helpful way to think about ourselves as a very complex being. Yeah. One of the ways in therapy I get people to think about the complexity of what makes up their sexuality is I call it a parts party. <laughs> so we have we have lots of different self parts. We right. have a part of us that is self-critical, a part of us that is censoring, a part of us that is uninhibited, mm-hmm. a part of us that is freer, a part of us that, I mean, there's a complexity. And so if you think about each aspect as almost a separate self and explore that completely, it can be very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I think that how do I get more connected to my sexuality? I mean, Stephanie, I you know, first of all, you need to know how to have an orgasm yourself. You need to know, maybe practice a little bit by yourself. Use yeah. a vibrator, use your hands, and know what touches, you know, help get you aroused. And know maybe what ideas and thoughts about sex are exciting. Like, what what is your sexual fantasy? Lots of times people do have kind of favorite yeah. ideas when when they want to feel sexual that they start thinking about. And then the trick is how do I convey these to my husband? Yeah, and I think she mentions that she loves and trusts her husband, but there may be things that he is doing probably unintentionally or things that could be done better that would make it safer for her. And I think that that's one of the things that she might be able to identify is what what would make it safer for her to share? Uh, is it in how he responds to her? Is it in how he listens to her? Is it being able to say that, the, like, write down the things before she talks about them to know mm-hmm. what she, that they're for him to know and her to know that they're going into that conversation? I think and that's a really important technique, uh, yeah. Adam, because I think that writing it down beforehand, you know, it reduces the anxiety. 
And it also brings accountability, right? Mm -hmm. If you have five items that you want to write down that are things that give you pleasure or that you prefer, and then you get anxious in the moment and you only would normally have told two of the things, this is like, okay, well, I've got three more items that i got to tell you. And so it, it brings a sense of concreteness of what I'm going to communicate to my partner. Uh, but I like the writing down. I think that's helpful. Uh, I also think that we can take advantage of email. We can take advantage of text to say the things that maybe are more difficult to say. Yeah, and I, I think too, when she thinks about what she wants to say is saying that um, she doesn't have to say everything all at one time. I think a lot of times mm -hmm. when we think about this, we have to share all of it mm -hmm. all in one setting. But I wonder what the first step could be for her, right? That she could share one thing. Maybe it's just an area she likes to be touched mm -hmm. um, that she hasn't told him before. Anything like that that she can just step forward with she doesn't have to, within the conversation, it doesn't have to be everything she's ever dreamed or desired, her deepest fantasies, right, or mm -hmm. those kind of things. Maybe it could just, she could just start piece by piece sharing that and gain more trust as he responds well. And they, um, she sees that it's a safe place to be able to share those things. Yeah. And I think as a woman, um, she sounds like she's more traditionally receptive to maybe his initiation, his direction. And women do have often better receptive desires, so they're not necessarily going to initiate as often because their body doesn't prompt them as much as a male body prompts him. But I think I'm getting the sense from her that she does want to be a better shaper mm -hmm. of the sexual experience. And yeah. I think that is the development of the erotic core. Yeah. So I think one of the tasks for all of us is to know our bodies, to know what turns us on, to know our minds, to know what themes and ideas excite us, mm -hmm. and to also become a, a full participant in terms of shaping the sexual relationship to our liking. Mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't mean that you have to be the primary initiator, but it does mean that you offer suggestions that you do sometimes initiate, and certainly that you express desire because everybody wants to feel desired you yeah, know absolutely. even if he's the primary initiator you know i think it's just human right to want to be desired so i think you're on your way stephanie thank you so much for writing we appreciate it all right well let's come back and we're going to talk about we have at least one more maybe we'll get to two right after the break so hey everybody we have a favor to ask of you and we want to know you better we'd love to know a little bit about who's listening where you come from, what age you are, what gender you are. And so we have a link in the show notes, which is on foreplayrst.com. In the show notes, we're going to give you just a micro quiz, just a few questions. If you would answer that for us, it would be so helpful for us to get a better direction about who we're speaking to. And we know that not all of you will do this, but if you would, foreplayrst.com is where you go in the show notes, link there, and just Tell us a little bit about you. We would greatly appreciate that kind of feedback. And we're so thankful for each one of you. This will give us a way just to continue to make the podcast better, to address some topics that you really want to address. Please do that for us. We'd be so grateful that you did that. 
Thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters. Right? Yeah, Patreon is a platform where you can directly support things that you love. We really want to expand the resources that we can be able to provide right. to you as our listeners. If you know our work touches you and our work helps you, we would be so grateful for your support. Just go to our website, foreplayrst.com, and there you can find a way to support us, and you can see our episodes and our blogs. And thank you so much, guys. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.net. We look forward to working with you. Welcome back to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. We are doing a mailbag episode, and right now we have something from Matthew. So Matthew says to us, I am with a gorgeous woman, the best looking woman I have had sex with thus far. When we have sex, some previous partners pop into my head and I'm not able to climax unless I think about them. I think I think about previous partners because I thought about them as an object and I don't want my current partner as an object. I want to concentrate solely on my current partner with no one else in my head. Any suggestions? Mm. And just a correction, he's saying he doesn't want to think about his current partner as an object um, as well. So that that's his intention is good there, right? So what would you say to him? And that's a, I think that's a fairly typical thing that can happen sometimes. And it's fairly common that other people uh, that you have sex with can kind of, the it's kind of the ghost of relationships past mm-hmm. a little bit that we've talked about before. And so getting that out of his head can be, can be fairly tough. Mm-hmm. Right. So where would you where would you start with him? So I think that when we're having sex and things flit across our mind, that's kind of outside of our control. Mm-hmm. You know, things thoughts will come and thoughts will go. I think the issue here is does this woman feel his connection to her in the moment? And that's different than trying to manage your head completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's clearly not actively saying, although he is, maybe he is saying, I have a sexual fantasy with a previous partner that lets me climax. And so people do use particular fantasies to often start desire and often reach orgasm. Those are two common places that people will use fantasies. It could be about a nameless, faceless lover. It could be about a situation. It could be about a former lover. But this is something that they have sort of found hot and they use it in those particular places. So Barry McCarthy is a sex therapist, uh, a writer. He's he's really interesting. And he talks about the use of fantasies as a bridge. Mm. So he says, there are certain ways that we fantasize about an other, 
that blocks out our experience with the current partner. Yeah. And that's, you know, preference, you know, people who maybe maybe they hate their current partner or whatever, and they're just fantasizing to have sexual desire, but they're really not connecting. But he said, that's the wall. Mm-hmm. But the bridge is, okay, I need a little help getting going. I need a little help going over the edge. Mm-hmm. And he, he just says that sexual fantasies used in those ways don't necessarily have to block intimacy with our current partner. Okay. Um, but they're, they're just like an extra, you know, whew, wish. So it's kind of like a judo move on <clears throat> our on our sexual fantasies, right? The, it's the, a judo use, move it on our own bodies. It, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily because I need to block you and your presence with me, but it's just something that turns up the heat for a little bit mm-hmm. and gets the juices going or gets, gets you over the edge. So I, I don't know that that's, you know, so bad or so wrong. I think the issue is, does his partner feel his connection? And how would that be better handled? So certainly, you know, some people, you know, are more verbal, so he can talk about her beauty. He finds her very attractive. Mm -hmm. He can talk about how much he enjoys being with her. You know, perhaps this doesn't sound like a, a one and only love relationship. It sounds like he's still perhaps dating and, you know, in that sort process in terms of looking for somebody. But he's certainly very attracted and talking about that and talking about how she does turn him on. And then afterwards, you know, talking about how good it was, how much he enjoys being with her. Verbal communication, I think, for women particularly, feels like more presence and more attachment and he can be asking her what she likes. I mean, communication, I think, helps in terms of the connection in the moment and his presence. I think open your eyes. Mm. You know, you you think she's really hot. Look at her. You know, describe her body parts. Watch her. I mean, I think watching your partner is really helpful. I think for women, this is a trick I've, you know, talked about. This is a, a male writer, Matthew. But, you know, your female partner often using a kegel squeeze actually is a quick way to come into your body and be in the moment with your current partner. So, uh, Do you think that there's any challenge when he says that he uh, used to think about his previous partners as objects? Yeah, okay, so this is, this is what he's talking about, right, is I'm moving from a way of relating to women as something that gives me pleasure to a real person, mm. you know, and I... I think that that's when, you know, he needs to obviously know her more deeply as a real person and also know her sexual likes and dislikes. I mean, I think that if you're moving from a hookup culture where you're just about getting off yourself, Mm. right, and into, okay, now I want it to be more mutual, you have to ask, you have to know, and you have to see that your projection of even your performance, right? Mm. You may think, well, I'm the best lover ever and (laughs) my performance is what counts here. No, it it could be just what does she need? I mean, one of the central complaints I have from women is that they come into the session and they say, he keeps telling me I'm going to like this or that he knows I'll like this or I did like this and I didn't and Mm. I don't. And it's like somehow or another – he's caught up in his own issue with it versus really listening to her as different and another. Yeah. I I would say that I think that's a, that there's also a paradigm shift that has to take place in in his, in how he views sex in general. Mm -hmm. 
because that's not it that is not an easy shift and it doesn't take place over over time but I would wonder if he still sees his previous partners as objects if he still sees sex as that would that not that they could have been one night stands they could have just been you know hookups um, but if to shift that I think takes a little bit of work and mm-hmm. takes a little bit of changing yourself your narrative about sex in general and I, I would wonder if he could notice how many times he thinks about sex during the day and what are his what exactly are his thoughts about sex mm-hmm. um, is it more is it is it about connecting is it about the other person right, right. or is it or is it just sex as more porn driven sex um, mm-hmm. that is that sensory season. sensory versus relational yes right mm-hmm. and and i think just recognizing the the narratives that are in his head about sex would be helpful because to me that's one of the problematic things is his thought process uh, about sex mm-hmm. and if he can come back to her even when he's thinking about sex throughout the day right come back to this part this partner that he wants to focus on rather than making it just a uh, sensory experience i think will help him as well Good. Okay, let's talk about our last writer who says, Hey, Lori and Adam, I've just started listening to the podcast after having read Lori's Psychology Today blog. If you don't know, I do blog on Psychology Today and WebMD, and you can search my name. Find me. I would, I would love a few positive comments there. We get so many great comments here on Foreplay, but I got to put on steel panties when I write for Psychology Today because it, it's tough. Tough critics out there. Okay, so he says, I recently listened to episode number 44, Seduce Her, and the subject was brought up over the divide couples have over date night. Men, he's a male, myself, I must confess, are expecting sex after date night, and women, my wife included, seem completely confused by this. Adam had mentioned that this gap needs to be bridged or men will stop wanting date night, but nothing was mentioned about how that gap is bridged. Can you both talk more about that? Okay, so Adam, mm-hmm. um, what were you meaning when you said, you know, if if there's no sex, man, men are going to just stop <laughs> wanting to take their women out? Well, I mean, I think there, if that is a pervasive pattern, if it's always date night that doesn't end with sex, I think eventually then it, it does become um, not what's the point, because I think men have to get out of that habit. They can't say that they can't say, well, what's the point if it doesn't end in sex, but their needs aren't getting met then either. And so... I think that that in part, the bridging the gap means each of you are t- taking, taking a step closer mm-hmm. um, toward each other. And I think that's a conversation that has to take place in the couple relationship. What do you need? What step do you need me to take towards you in that? Right. Maybe that means that I take the responsibility of planning date night. A, a mm-hmm. step toward my wife might be I, I'm initiating booking the restaurant, planning what we do, thinking about what she might enjoy all those kind of things, that may be the step that I take toward her. Um, and then asking for the step that I need. I, I need I need to know whether you're not feeling like sex tonight before we go into the date. Or I need at, I need at least a few of our date nights to end in sex, a certain amount. I don't, I'm uh, fuzzy on the specifics there. Maybe you can help me with that. But I think taking those steps toward each other um, and knowing what those steps I need to take would be helpful. Certainly we hear about this a lot from men, right, who say – you know, I am trying to meet her needs. I am trying to give her quality time because that's how she experiences love. Mm-hmm. But then we come home and it's like it's out of her mind. She's too tired. She's too drunk. She's too full. We don't end up having sex. And there's this resentment that builds. I'm trying to meet your needs. 
it doesn't seem like you're aware of my needs. Um, And we don't want to set it up so that there's an absolute quid pro quo because I think that romance and going out together and spending time together needs to be a climate in the relationship that produces warmth and care for each other. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is... A central problem. Like yeah. if I give to you, you're going to take advantage of me and you're not going to consider my needs. And I think this writer is saying it, it doesn't seem to be coming my way. My needs are more sexual. And how do I communicate this to my wife so that she can make it a priority, you know, in terms of, for me, the most romantic, climactic part of the date night is that we're going to make love mm-hmm. at the end of it. Uh, yeah. First of all, I would suggest make love before you go, right? Yeah. Uh, because too tired, too drunk, too full is quite the consequence of date night. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that is a better formula so that also, you know, men often tend to go to sleep after sex. But if he's going out to dinner afterwards, he's a little hungry, and you have sex first, and you connect that way, and then you're wide awake, and then she has this lovely feeling of being, you know, physically intimate, connected, and then he's really attentive. I think that's just a better turnaround on when you have the sex. But I think, yeah, this is a deep discussion that needs to happen. I wouldn't necessarily pin it on date night. You know, I expect sex after date night, but I would say, look at, I'm... I am trying to meet your needs in this way, to give you quality time, to give you time together so that you can feel relaxed. And what I really need is sexual release and a playful, romantic sexual time. For me, you know, I'm looking at you, you're all dressed up. I'm talking with you. My body starts to respond to you. I begin to want you and desire you. And then when I come home and it doesn't happen, I experience this really deep disappointment about not being with you. So I, I would frame it that way instead of, you know, you're not giving to me. But I would talk about if I were a male and say, you know, this this to me is it moves me toward you. Yeah. And and for me, that means I want to be with you sexually that's yeah. how my body and mind are programmed to work so yeah you're talking about it you're removing it the quid pro quo out of it which i like because i think too often men go into those conversations i'm doing this for you why aren't you doing this for me exactly as opposed exactly. to talking about what you're saying is talking about yourself their experience talking about your experience talking I, about your needs i'm out with you you're looking hot i can see your cleavage you know we had a little bit of wine I really want you. And this is what makes me feel close to you. I mean, Mm. I love being with you too, but physical intimacy is for me something that my body and my mind and my soul craves with you. That's that phrase that you just used, I think is something that if men could just get that in their heads and talk about it. And that is, this is the way that I feel close to you. Yeah. Like when you saying that is much different, which I think men have a hard time expressing. I think for the most part, Men in committed relationships feel this way, but they have a trouble communicating that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a lot of different ways to frame that, but that phrase to me is so key. This is how I feel close to you. And separating it from date night too, I think would be really helpful, but also mentioning it when we go out, like you're saying, this is this is part of closeness. And so sex is the culmination of that for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I think makes it a, a much better way to talk about it. Well, thank you for writing in. Again, Matt, we appreciate you 
sending this to us. I think it is something that men feel. It was really important. So we appreciate you for that. And again, we guard your confidentiality. These are not the real names. It will never be the real names. And we just love your communication to us. Criticism, compliments, we'd take it all and we're grateful for it. So you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your sex therapist, Lori Watson, and your couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. You can now call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.